Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Importance of Clouds and Other Lies. We are on our fifth episode. Yay! Thank you so much for those who have uh, listened in. Uh, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Anchor. Um, I'll be. I'll try to post this on my website as well, but I just want to build more audiences on Spotify. And shout out. Thank you so much to my friends. Yay, I have friends. <laughs> My friends who are listening and who've been promoting it, Ria Taide, thank you so much. Ati Ched Desena, thank you so much. Yo, you guys are awesome. If you could, please do spread the word. I'm on Spotify. Just search for my name, Ian Galigues. That's G-A-L-L-I-G-U-E-Z. And if you can follow me on Instagram, that's at Ian Galigues. Same thing for um twitter and if you have a story a poem an essay that you would like for me to read or my friends to read please do send them over email it to ian that's i-a-n at iangaligas.com i-a-n-g-a-l-l-i-g-u-e-z.com today's uh, story is um something that resonate resonated with me about um, a decade ago this was something that uh, I wrote because I wanted to express or I wanted to show people that sometimes what we see in the superficial is not what is and I think we already know this from watching all of the K-dramas right <laughs> um, point is okay I, I read from at a werewolf on Instagram said that before you pass judgment on someone who is self-destructive you should understand first that they are not trying to destroy themselves they're trying to destroy something that is inside them that they don't understand and this is such a human trait we as humans do tend to either be self-destructive because we don't understand what's going on and we just want to get rid of the pain or the emotions or we become a doormat we just let all of these things happen and we absorb it and we we wallow in the misery because we don't know anything else and then these are the types of people i was one of these people before that when you are shown the opposite the contrary if you're shown kindness and if you're shown love and if you're shown non-judgment and if you are shown compassion you don't know what to do with yourself and you don't know what's going on for you that's weird and there are people who do that, who who sabotage themselves and stab, sabotage relationships, whether it's friendship or romantic relationships or family relationships. They sabotage that because, not because they hate you or they hate themselves or they hate everyone else. It's just that they don't understand. So, after reading this story or after you guys hear this story I hope that you practice a little bit more kindness to people I know you're already kind but be kinder be softer be more compassionate be the one that this world desperately needs but also desperately rejects it's hard it's not easy being kind it's not easy being a good person but the rewards are magnanimous not only to the other person but to yourself as well so without further ado ladies and gentlemen this is the road to perdition
She always found herself in the same kind of place. Sitting in a booth where the plastic seats used to be a darker color and without any cracks. The plastic sign hangs cracked and says open instead of beckoning passersby to come in. She always ended up in one of these places. She didn't know why, but for some reason, it made her comfortable, safe even. The noise of the place lulled her into some semblance of security. It was the waitress, looking bored, sighing her weary away. The cooks at the back, laughing at some sexist joke. The after-party kids, coming to sober up before they got home and got grounded for being out way past their curfew. It was constant, never changing, and always the same. It was such a comfort because it's not like her life right now. Well, if you count that phone call. That phone call is probably the only thing that's constant in her world right now. It's not that she doesn't have a life. It's just centered on making herself available for him when he needs her. That requires her to be awake when the moon is high in the sky. She waits for his call and it always comes in like clockwork. The first time was awkward, as all first times are. He called and said he was at some two-bit bar that has seen better days and better customers. It was full of noisy, angry customers and even angrier drunks. Of course, it was natural for him to fall under the angry drunk category. She took him by the sleeve of his jacket after paying for his exorbitant tab and dragged him to the car. He was breathing vapors and expletives. She let out a low growl, something about common sense, cirrhosis, displaced, neanderthal, and other impressively naughty words, sounding cultured and restrained mixed in with her presumably $10 jargon that would make a seasoned whore blush. There, in the safety of his hotel room, he yelled at her, blamed her for his situation, accused her of manipulating him and not caring enough to be honest with him. He cursed her and all she did was to stand there and take it all in. He ranted until he was tired and passed out. She quietly fixed the mess that used to be called a man, cleaned up and stayed for a while until she was sure he was breathing normally and won't choke on his own vomit. The next time it happened, he was in a better mood. He called her and politely asked her to pick him up from another bar. He climbed in the passenger's seat and didn't say anything, but she knew he was two shots away from being 80 proof. She drove him home and he even managed to mumble a thank you before he closed the door. This time, he called from his house, asking her to come over. She drove a little slowly, not really in a hurry to see what she'd have to clean up after. She had to contain her shock when he opened the door to let her in. He was just inebriated, but was coherent. He let her in, and she jested that he might even let her drink with him. He smiled and down three fingers of his neat scotch. Are you gonna let me see the entire process and not just the end result tonight? 
He said nothing and just smiled bitterly. She let out a tired sigh. <sighs> Might as well get the coffee started. Sit with me, he said. It's even surprising to hear that softness to his voice, almost like he was pleading. She follows like an obedient puppy. There is violence in silence, and whatever isn't said between them is bound to come out and will hit them at a velocity that will make them regret not saying anything, thus making them bleed, making their heart bleed. She finally spoke. Her words were soft but firm. I had to kill her. She was a job. She was making you weak. I had to do my job. What if I was the job? He said. Would you have done your job? I don't know. Would you? I don't know. She stood up and prepared to take her leave when his hand wrapped itself around her waist. Do you know why I'm drinking myself half to death almost every night? Do you have any idea why? I get it, she said. I get it, okay? You drink to forget. You want to forget the pain. You want to forget that you miss her. And you want to forget that you hate me. You don't know anything, he said as he pulled her dangerously close. I drink to forget that I feel happy that she's gone. I drink so I can easily accuse you of making me feel miserable when the truth is I feel relieved and grateful that you did what I could not do. I drink to have an excuse to have you near, to have you to touch me because that's the only time you do. He then grabs the back of her neck and kisses her. She's too shocked to respond, so he takes this opportunity to deepen the kiss. That's when she pushes him away. She instantly puts up her tough bitch persona. You drink so you'll have an excuse to kiss me? That's so fucking twisted even for you. What's next? You drink so you can fuck me without regretting it? You sure know how to sweep a woman off her feet. He looks at her with hurt in his eyes. She doesn't back down. Come on, Romeo, you've had too much moonshine. Time for bed. She gets him under the covers without a fight. closes his eyes and says a sincere word of gratitude. It's then and there that she has her epiphany. She wanted that kiss. She wanted him to kiss her, to hold her, to screw her, to fuck her, to make love to her. She wanted it all, but he was drunk and that made all the difference. 
She wanted that possibility. Love, laughter, maybe even happiness. But happiness wasn't available for people like her. Monsters and murderers aren't allowed to be happy. So she walked away from that broken sleeping man with his drunken whispers and scotch-flavored kisses trailing behind her. She thinks maybe if the circumstances were different, she could be happy. Maybe she could be even happy with him. <laughs> <laughs>